Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. This is Aaron, and instead of hearing Mariah's voice chime in, um, it's just going to be me today. She is doing some um, self-care and being with her family today. Uh, we record on the weekend, so, you know, sometimes that stuff happens. So it's just going to be me, and our guest today is Leah D'Amato. She's a physiotherapist at a Toronto, Canada, um, but is actually here to share her survivor story related to her post-concussive symptoms and that journey. So, Leah, I'd love to just turn it over to you and have you give us a nice um, idea of what it is that you experienced. So welcome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Erin. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to be on your podcast. You guys are amazing. Excited um, to have you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I am a physiotherapist. I practice not in a brain injury side of things. So I work in pediatrics, working with children with musculoskeletal issues in the hospital, mostly post-surgery or a traumatic injury such as a spinal cord injury. And then I also work in pelvic health. So although I am a healthcare professional and I have lots of knowledge in different areas, this came to me and I realized how much, how little I knew about concussions, um, which is always interesting and how little others knew um, as well. So um, I got my concussion back in July of 2019 and I was working at the hospital and I was uh, crouched down. I was cleaning a walker, which is something that helps people with walking if they need a gate aid. And as I was doing that, I stood up after finishing and there was a cabinet above my head and I hit the base of my head and neck on the bottom of the cabinet door. So it really had direct impact and it had nowhere else to go. And I had a really busy day, um, go, go, go. And I was like, yeah, I'll brush it off. This is fine. Although I just felt really off at that time. Like I really had never felt this like level of a headache and just dizzy and lightheaded. Like it's just, I was out of the world for a few seconds. It was weird. Mm. Um, but I kind of was like, like okay. in healthcare, we do that. Cause we're, we're oh, the caregivers, yeah. like, you know, um, totally. in my setting too, I've, we have TVs that are on an arm that come over the bed and you don't know how many times I've been caring for a patient and come up and whack my head on that. And you're like, yes. Oh, I'm the caregiver. I can't be the one that's hurt. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You always, you always tend to put your, put others in front of you, right? Just uh -huh. kind of our role and who we are and how we get into that field of wanting to help others. Right. right. And so it, it's, it's so true. And that, personality and dynamic of who we are. And so right. I worked on it for really the nature of two and a half days. Um, wow. And over those two days, I started to feel really sleepy. Like I was sleeping all the time and I just like couldn't have enough energy to get through my day. Driving was becoming really difficult for me for I don't know what reason. I was having these headaches, which I actually never had he headaches prior to my the injury. And so after 
two and a half days. And there was like the tipping point where I was in a room with a client and it was a little girl and she was screaming, like she didn't want to do an exercise. And I was like, I can't be in this room. Like there's something seriously wrong. And so I went to my family doctor that day and she squeezed me in and she told me like, you have symptoms of mild brain injury, which is a concussion. Uh, You need to stay home. You need to just rest for the next two days. And then if you're feeling fine, you should be able to go back to work. No problem. So there is a layer of this workplace injury, which has added layers of stress and anxiety also um, with my journey. But um, after really that period, things just declined for the span of two months um, to the point where I was in a room isolated by myself in complete darkness with no stimulation. Um, I just couldn't tolerate anything. I couldn't walk for greater than two, three minutes. I couldn't do the stairs. The thought of showering was just extremely exhausting to me. And it was hard because my parents, and I was living with my parents at the time, they just were like, I don't understand. Like you just hit your head. Like we all do that. And mm-hmm. and the reality is you actually don't need to hit your head to have a concussion. These are all things I've learned over the years. It's more of the acceleration and deceleration, and it can be the neck or not even an actual direct impact. And so typically with a concussion, you recover within the three to four week mark. And contrary to what I did, the best thing to recover is not to be in a dark, isolated room for the first month. But my symptoms were that bad. I couldn't tolerate anything. I then started getting so depressed and I was crying for no reason. I was just like Mm. unbelievably sad. Um, And all these just emotions and different things came in as well. And um, I fell within this. Yeah, yeah. I fell within this umbrella term, which is called PCS, which has two terms. It can be post-concussion syndrome or post-concussive symptoms, depending on who you talk to. And so I have since then seen a variety of healthcare practitioners to kind of navigate the system, which is incredibly difficult, even having been in the healthcare system myself. It was crazy in the sense that hard to find people who actually knew what they were talking about and had the right knowledge and expertise and uh, helped guide what I needed in order to get back to, for me, was to work. And then having this added layer of stress from the insurance companies saying that you're a young female, you should be fine, you should be going back to work, you have nothing wrong with you, you're faking this, essentially, is what they were getting at. Um, Isn't insurance interesting with that? Like, they expect everyone to fit into, like, this protocol, and we we don't. We don't all fit into that timeline. No, exactly. And they they would ask me what was wrong with me because they knew my background. And I'm like, you tell me, like, I don't know. I don't have these answers. I'm trying everything I can. And they're like, well, this doesn't make sense. So their first thing is they're going to jump to is, oh, she's just wanting to use the benefits and staying home, which that is so not who I was, but they, they have to just because of how, I guess, sometimes that could be the case, but it it really has such an impact on your recovery and your journey because you constantly are fighting. So what is wrong with me? Am I crazy? Like, how do I get better? And you're doubting yourself through this process. Absolutely. Like the short-term disability insurance is, um, I'm sure Canada and the U.S. are a little bit different. But for my job, um, I was under short-term disability, which is an insurance that allows you to be out for uh, medical reasons. And it's almost like, you know, they would call and they'd ask you all these questions. And it's like, well, you have that in the medical record. And they're like, no, we want to hear it from you. We want to know your side. And it just felt like they're trying to trip you up. 
And I'm like, I, yeah. I'm brain injured. Like, I can't speak to every single little thing. I need help. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, and, yeah. and I can, that, that happened so many times. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the capacity to do it. And they would be drilling me with these questions. And I would break down crying because I could just, yeah. my brain was not able to tolerate what they wanted me to ask. And they just truly did not understand what it meant that I have. And they were not educated, which is what it comes down to, which is so unfortunate. Um, So, yeah, that's we could probably talk for hours about that. I know that's a whole Um, different direction, but it's interesting. We all kind of encounter those like pieces of it. So you were saying you initially went to your primary care provider and they were you know, did they put you into any type of help or services? How did you access care? No. So they, she essentially just told me that this is what you have. Just go home and rest and you should be fine. I, having had the background of being a physiotherapist and in a bit of that um, background, knowing that there are things to be done within, I would say two, three weeks, I started to see a physiotherapist. And again, I needed to advocate from the insurance company that this was important because it it was me initiating it, which would have taken another three weeks, which would have slowed down the recovery. And I think part of what why it took me, and I, I'm still working through is what's taking me so long is the first two weeks are so crucial. And I did everything wrong that I shouldn't have done, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that guidance at the beginning, which is so unfortunate because after you pass the three, four week mark, you fall in that umbrella and then we don't know why this happens. We don't, their research has not been able to substantiate what to do to make it better. There are things that can, but not necessarily that it can cure it. And we don't know how long it'll last. And everyone that I see all the time is you're doing all the right things, keep going. And it's been the same messaging for almost two years now, which is nice to hear that I'm doing the right things and I'm getting there, but also very frustrating that why am I not where I want to be? Mm-hmm. And why is this taking me so long? Mm-hmm. Because it's so hard. And, you know, some days are better than others. And like Monday for me was a horrible day. And when you have these kind of flare ups or these episodes where you have increased fatigue and those symptoms, it's hard not to fall back and say, why me? Why is this happening? And that whole grieving process, right, of who you used to be and how I can't socialize with people the same way and how me just walking to my car made me so tired that I, I almost couldn't drive home recently. I, it took me a long time to get back to driving. Yeah. You yeah, know, you all these little on, things. They're not, though. They're all the things that add up to our lives. and you Exactly, you know, I, that you take I, for advantage. It, yes, you take it kind of for granted that those are things that aren't permanent. And, you know, yes. I, I just struggled this week, too. You know, this show is such a blessing in so many ways because we're connecting with so many great providers. And, you know, I've gotten help mm-hmm. um, through our neurooptometry episode. I realized I have vision issues and now I'm yeah. getting glasses and getting treatment for that. But the other flip side of it is listening to people tell their stories. And then, you know, there's so many great things that people have learned. And when I'm listening to those on a hard day, it's hard not to compare yourself and feel like, well, if they got through all of this, why do I still feel like crap? (laughs) Um, It's it's hard. And it just takes that level of self-love and kind of pulling back that we're all in a different yes. place and yes. it's okay to be and, where you are. 
Yeah, that loving self-compassion has been a really big thing that I've been working so hard on in this Mm -hmm. whole journey and also setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and knowing that it's okay to say no Mm -hmm. and better is better, regardless how better that is. That is such a great way of putting it. Um, And I think you're, you're bringing up such a great point. We love that word boundaries on this show. And every time I get stuck into those little comparative like mind traps of, oh, look at all they've done. They are doing so great. They're thriving. I feel so horrible. It's all because I'm breaking my own boundary. I'm breaking that, you know, don't, don't compare. We're all on our own journey. And um, I think we mentioned this before we started recording how you like to say journey, not recovery, Um, because it is that. It's one step at a time. Yeah, you it really it? is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. every day is a new day and, you know, you're you're working on it and it's never a linear trajectory. Like that is not how it works. There are going to be ups and downs and when they're downs, they're going to be hella crappy. And that is the reality. And I feel you because I was, I'm still there. So like, yeah. like two years almost, <laughs> right? But you have to remember and ground yourself where you started and how far you've come and all those little wins. And my neuropsychologist was really helpful at the beginning in helping me um, work through that piece. So at the time she had diagnosed me with an adjustment disorder, which is essentially just, I wasn't adjusting to who I am now and who I used to be, which she Mm -hmm. said makes total sense to who you are. Um, And her guidance and strategies and tools with reframing and grounding were just so incredible. They were work. It was hard. It was not easy. And I sometimes didn't want to go to them. Right? Um, (laughs) Me too. I'm like, I know I have therapy every Tuesday, but oh. (laughs) But it helps so much. And it's that reflection, that mirror of, you know, you really do. It's so easy to fall into those negative little mind traps of seeing everything that's wrong and forgetting and not celebrating everything that's right. Like not yeah, everything yeah. in life does suck, even if it does feel that way. Yeah, so how did, totally. How did you get connected with neuropsych and what were some of the other treatments that you found really helpful getting through all this? Yeah, sorry. That's my fault. I went on a tangent there. I <laughs> love going on tangents. I went there right with you because that's how I've been <laughs> feeling. And, uh, you know, I think it's really easy for people to listen to this show and hear these tremendous like stories of recovery. And we love that. Yeah. And we love that we're supporting people. But we also don't want to cover up the part that it's really hard. And we don't, yeah. you know, it's a choice to talk about the joy and to talk about the good that's come out of it. And but that doesn't mean that there's not a bad side and a hard side too. It's hard. And I think yeah. we all need to acknowledge it's hard. Exactly. So, anywho, yeah, back so off perfectly. the tangent. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so yeah. Um, I, so I had seen my primary healthcare physician and then she had sent me to, she's like, okay, if this is still an issue in a month's time, I'll put in a referral for a neurologist. So I saw a neurologist a month later who was specialized in concussions. She put me on nortriptyline. She's like, here, take this for your depressive moods, for your sleep issues, um, for the, the neuro pain that you're having. Um, and if you want to see a physio, sure, go ahead. And that was kind of it. But I, I was already seeing a physio because I knew physio was helpful. Um, I just didn't know what to do because I was an, an expert in that area. So I had been then seeing a physiotherapist and, um, 
they were really helpful to help me navigate where I was and how I can start to work on my physical symptoms. And I had a big component of my neck issues. Um, so they did work through that piece and they were trained in concussions, but I had to figure out and go on a website to learn and find out. And that took me so much time because I couldn't spend time on the internet and my parents didn't know what they were looking for. And so it's not my physician didn't know that. The neurologist told me after the fact and didn't really give me a referral to who was specialized. So it's there's it's so hard to navigate the system. And that was just the beginning. And so I found the phys- physiotherapist and I asked, I'm like, oh, I'm starting to have a lot of these mood changes. And I was never like this before. And they're like, well, this can be something you can experience, but didn't really say, go see a psychologist. And then as a month and a half mark reach, I was like, hey, this is not okay. Like I'm not doing well mentally, I need to see someone. And so again, I went on the internet and I went to go look for a neuropsychologist. Um, Within, again, small increments of 10 minutes I could spend on the internet and then kind of doing my research. And then I contacted them and they seemed like a really good fit. And I was super grateful. Um, And she was phenomenal in helping me through that piece. Um, And when I discharged, I no longer felt met that criteria. And so really she helped me get out of that loop. And a lot of it came with me gradually progressing my physical piece and what I could do and going back to work at a small capacity, um, kind of regaining that sense of identity that I had so lost and I was no longer who I used to be. Um, So she was great. um, And she was really a really big advocate for me when it came to the insurance company in stating that I was doing the right things and that they essentially need to back off, which of course doesn't happen, but at least getting it substantiated from someone in that industry is helpful. Validation is so important. Um, Just when you hear someone say, yes, I hear you and what you're going through is, you know, not necessarily normal, but it could be happening in this type of scenario. It helps so much. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and so much of this I feel makes that, you feel crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think like validation, like that word is, is it hits so hard with me because mm-hmm. um, I felt that I really had an invisible injury in which people would look at me and say, you look normal. Like there was nothing physically different with me besides if you saw me walking outside, I was walking like a 90 year old person with a hip surgery. Like I could not walk fast because I was that fatigued. Um, And so they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't understand. And they, it's not like I have a crutch or I have a cast or something. And so hearing those terms of validation and that, you know, you are on the right trajectory and that these thoughts, emotions, feelings, symptoms is very real was so important for me to feel have hope to keep going for one. Yeah. Right. Cause it, it gets hard. Like you definitely has a hard time. Um, and to just know that you're doing the right things and to give yourself that love and that compassion again, like that was something I really worked hard on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I worked with her and then in the midst of that, I then also worked, my eyes was also a piece. So I also had a lot of eye and vision changes. So I saw a neuro-ophthalmologist and he had given me, um, so I had a lot of light sensitivity. And mm-hmm. so I had a special glasses that I got with a filter to help with that piece, which was great. Um, and he gave me a variety of eye exercises to do. And I, um, 
and then the physio, I, I switched physios because of the insurance issue. And mm-hmm. she also got me on some specific eye issues, um, or eye exercises and vestibular work too. Because my vestibular system. You, the eye exercises. Oh. Did it make you feel sick? Oh my God. They're the worst. Yeah. And like, it's so funny <laughs> because like, I don't want I was to just talk- <laughs> No. And it, it's, it's so funny because I did them for a long time and she's like, you're so close to graduating. And at that point I was more functional. Like I was returned back to work. So I stopped seeing her and I recently I'm doing, I'm a participant in a research study that I was just telling you about. And one mm. of the components is the eye exercises. And I actually skipped them today because they make me too nauseous and I didn't think I'd be able to do the podcast. So it just <laughs> oh, highlighted no. that. We're hurting science. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. But it she, highlighted, I, I haven't, yeah, it just, it's highlighted the fact that I need to do this again. Like I, I haven't graduated. My vestibular system is still off and that's probably why I'm still getting some symptoms. And, um, a big thing was driving. Like I, I didn't drive for, um, seven, eight months. Um, and that's where I started to do a lot of the IPs and with driving as another person, I, so I have so many people in my bubble and circle that I over them really the years. Um, one of them was an OT who helped me with return to driving, which was like phenomenal. And she was so great. Um, and just gradually starting with like a five minute drive. Like I, I couldn't do anything at all. Like it was so, mm. people don't realize how much is required for driving. The mental yeah. piece, the eyes, the neck, like it just cognitively, there's so much multitasking that happens. Mm-hmm. And I've never had to break down a task like that, which is why OTs are amazing at what they do. And I always say that if I ever went back to school, I would be an OT because I, I've had so many different OTs work with me for so many different parts of my journey, but for the driving piece, like she really broke down, like you are going to go residential driving 40 kilometers per hour. And that's what you're doing for 10 minutes. And then building up those steps with the like hills and the stop signs and the right and the left turns and the time of the day and the the weather and like all these things that you don't think about. Right. right. Um, so it was, um, that was a big piece of my recovery that took me a very long time to finally get back to driving full time because uh, yeah. my, it's so it's, tough. Um, I, it is. I, Go ahead. Um, <laughs> with my driving, um, you know, I didn't do it for probably the first two months post injury. And then my husband and I, like we did a loop around, you know, our neighborhood and then pushed it a little bit mm-hmm. further, but I could only, you know, go a few minutes at a time. And then eventually built up like my first trip on my own. <laughs> I was so happy. Like I made it. Um, I, where did I go? I don't even remember where I went, but somewhere close. And I came yeah. back and I nudged the garage with the car. Oh. <laughs> and it's like you don't even realize like how much your senses are just like used up. <laughs> like I didn't hurt anything, yeah. but like, yeah, it, it's tough. It's it takes a long time. And that OT is like putting her life in her hands, <laughs> teaching you how to do this again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So no, it was, um, that was a big piece that was really great that I got. And then I've, as I said, I had a few OTs. So I had one that really helped me with return to work. And so when I started back work three months post-injury, it was essentially a gradual desensitization program is what I called it, which I would, instead of working a seven hour day, I worked two hours every two days. And I was within those two hours, I would 
because I work in a pediatric hospital, it's very loud, lots of Mm -hmm. sensation and sensory components, which is a big, difficult thing for me. And so I would be in a physio gym for 10 minutes and then be resting for 15 minutes because I was so symptomatic. And that's where I started. And so I had to do a daily log every day and write down how much my symptoms increased and what did I do in that time. And so the OT really helped to break down where I needed to start and how do I progress to having my own full caseload of clients who need physiotherapy um, in a busy gym environment and quite physically demanding as well, which I lost my any, all of my physical abilities because I was so fatigued and I, I still struggle with fatigue a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was another OT that was um, amazing. And just again, breaking down these things that you don't realize that are a lot of work and how much energy is required to do those pieces. Yeah, it does. It takes so much. And um, how do you do like now? Are you back to being full time and do you still have to kind of peg out your time and be really diligent with how you plan your day? Yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty grateful that I, I schedule. I've always been in charge of my own schedule. I sure I have That's those nice. demands there, so I need to meet them, but I can pick it. And so I am still specific as to when I see a client and trying to squeeze in a little break or trying to do it earlier in my day, because I know by the end of the day, I'm like wiped out, but I am back to full-time at the hospital. My other side gig, I'm not back full-time yet. And, um, I am working as an equivalent full physiotherapist. Like I see my full own caseload at this point, which is fantastic. Um, But the driving piece I added back end of last year into this year. And I just recently actually moved from, because I haven't been working there for more than five years and there's like a senior list for parking. I have to park at a further parking lot. I have had a medical parking pass for this whole time. And so just this last month, I moved to a further one, which means I now need to walk 10 minutes to work and 10 minutes home from work. And so it was going well, but this is just an example that these things still happen and I'm still working through it where I was walking to work and I had gone to work and I realized I left something in my car. Oh, and I was no. like, oh crap, I need to go back. And I was like, do I go or do I not? And I, I needed to go back. So I went back and I walked and that means I had done over a 20 minute walk, which is something I can't do without being symptomatic really and so tired and I had to work through a full day and so I tried Uh, to work through my full day and I took my hour lunch and I I tried to pass off a client and I tried to preemptively think things through a little bit the best that I could to make it manageable but it got to the point where when I finally was able to walk back to my car it was back to me like two like July of 2019, how I was walking, I got to my car and I stayed there for a very long time because I could not drive home. And I contemplated just getting a taxi. So, I mean, and this was just Monday. So I'm definitely working and I'm doing and I'm functioning a lot higher now and I'm able to do more, which makes me so happy. But I still have things that can tip me over so easily. And I have to be so careful about my energy and my battery because if I wipe it out from the get-go, then I am running on 10% and that's not going to go well. And it carries over to my sleep and then I don't sleep well. And then I'm more Mm -hmm. symptomatic and then it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. It's tough to catch yourself in those cycles sometimes. Um, It sounds like you're doing a phenomenal job, but I know, you know, I get into this like piece where I'm almost too tired to recognize that I'm having symptoms now. So then it, yeah, 
then I get stuck in that loop and things just get worse yeah. until I crash and then I'm okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to like, we were talking a bit about personality and I'm a very type A personality. And I think sometimes being in the healthcare field and trying to get into these professions, it's kind of who you have to be to get to that point. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I'm always trying to do more, trying to push those boundaries and trying to keep going. And sometimes I don't give myself the time to just check in enough. And then it hits me so hard. And then I'm like, why, why am I crashing? And then I, I go through my day and then I recognize, or I go through the last two days and I recognize it. Right. And so remembering that I, I've done that much more, but sometimes it's hard. Like you get lost in trying to keep up with everyone around you. That seems manageable. And you, you forget who you are and where you are now in your journey. Right. And you're like, oh, right. shoot, I need to press the brakes right now. Yep. It's that comparison thing comparing yourself like to your coworkers, comparing yourself to your friends. You know, everyone else can go out and socialize and they function fine, but I'm sitting here like ready to cry in the back seat of the car cuz I'm tired or you know like yeah. it's yeah, it's exactly. tough. It's an adjustment. Um yeah. I know we're wrapping up, we're getting close um to being done, but I just do wonder, do you have any um really like just advice that you want to share with something or something that just hit you so hard that you had no idea about until going through it yourself? Um, I think for me, the biggest thing, and and I kind of mentioned it already, is remembering that better is better and that Mm. your journey to recovery is never linear and to to not give up um, and to know when to ask for help. It's okay to say no, and it's okay to tell people that I need help to do things until you get to that space, but giving your body and your brain the time to go through that recovery and healing is so important, and I think with me, the first few months, I was in such denial. Like I just was like, no, this isn't happening. Like This is not me, Mm -hmm. and I didn't accept it which made it harder. And once I worked through a lot of yin yoga and a lot of mindfulness, self-compassion, a lot of these hard pieces of mental work, I then recognized like, okay, this is who I am. This is my new normal. And these are the things that I'm doing for myself and it's okay. And giving that love along the way. And once I was okay with it, I then noticed that I wasn't so plateaued and I was noticing improvements. And I'm sure it goes through all these physical pieces and different professionals that have helped and guided me through that process. But I think how you approach it and your perspective has such a big influence and where you're putting that energy. Mm -hmm. And so knowing how to kind of work through those pieces can be so challenging, but um, with the right mindset and you know, those people to guide you along the way, the, 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 I don't know if I want to say easier, but the, the better it will be, I guess. What types of practitioners helped, um, with that kind of mindset, loving yourself? Did you find someone Mm -hmm. particularly helpful that maybe others might want to reach out to? Yeah. So there's one in particular. So, um, it's just, I knew her actually prior to my injury. Uh, her name is Amal and she does yin yoga and she actually works within, uh, pelvic health, which is an area of physio that I do with a lot of chronic pain and pelvic issues, but she actually had a brain injury herself, which is what's so interesting. And so she knew exactly what I was going through. Although I think her brain injury was different, but same overlying concepts. Right. And so she worked with me 
on developing these strategies and these tools of this mindful self-compassion and setting these boundaries and giving yourself that love and that space and doing it through very gentle movements because I wanted to go back and exercise at a gym, but I couldn't do that. But I knew movement is so important for us, right? Motion is lotion. And so she was able... Yeah, she was able to give me an outlet to start to gently move while working through those other pieces. So yin yoga is the practice and it's incredible. Um, And she's just who I reached out to and I kind of did that. And I I still intermittently will top on to like her group classes. Um, But um, really like I found that was so important. And actually within my hospital, I also took an eight week course on mindfulness, self-compassion. And it was two hours every week. And they worked through a variety of exercises. Um, And I think that really helps the mental piece of it. Yeah. Any of those programs are fantastic. It's just, it is exhausting. Mm -hmm. There'd be times where I'd fall asleep in the middle of an exercise and I'd wake up and I'm like, (laughs) well, my body needed the sleep. And so it did what it needed. And that's how I take it. Yeah. And that's exactly what the mindfulness piece is teaching us is just rest is okay. Listen to your signals, listen to your body. Yes. Um, Leah, this has been amazing. I really, really appreciate you talking to us. Um, I know we had some technical issues to begin with, so I feel (laughs) sorry that it has to be a little shorter than our episodes normally are. But I think for our post-concussive symptom listeners, this might actually be a good thing because it might be hard to listen to a whole hour episode. Um, Now, you have a pretty active Instagram page, um, more geared towards your physio, but I believe if people wanted to reach out to you, maybe that would be a good way. Yeah, they definitely can. Yeah. I did when I was early on in my recovery, I did do a lot more journaling and blogging through my Instagram. Um, but now that I've shifted more full time, it's less. But I definitely my Instagram is a great way for us to connect. And then there's a, a button there if you want to send me an email directly and then we can connect one on one. But I'm, I'm so happy to talk to others because I think what was really nice with social media was that I wasn't alone and there was others who were also going through the same journey. And sometimes it's great, but you also need to be a little bit cautious because you can get sucked into this black hole of negativity. And so you need to know who are the right people. And so someone that can relate to you, but talk about the things that are good and things that okay maybe didn't help. And everyone's different and every recovery is totally different. But I think having that person to be able to connect with and guide on some resources and different ways to navigate the system, because as we said, it was very difficult and still is quite challenging to find people who know what they're talking about, have the expertise and are available to see you. Um, So yeah, I'm more than happy to to talk to one. Feel free to reach out um, and I will kind of respond as early as I can. (laughs) Yeah, we get that. I I apologize to listeners too. I respond to emails, but sometimes it's, we get a lot. So um, getting back to everyone, just be patient. We'll get there. Um, So getting... um, to get in touch with Leah, her Instagram is at Leah, L-E-A-D as in dog, physio. So at Leah Physio. 
Um, we, again, are super grateful that you were able to come on and join um, us and talking about your experiences. I love the messages that you're sharing of love and self-compassion, um, not comparing the big B word, boundaries. <laughs> That's always huge. On um, I know in my life, uh, whenever I let go of a boundary, then I pay for it and I'm emotionally mm-hmm. wrecked. So um, I love mm-hmm. hearing, you know, we're all kind of in that same boat sharing together. So um, thank you for joining us. And this is Erin signing out. Um, Mariah will be back next time. Um, but we're signing out for Making Headway Podcast. See you next time. Hey, everyone. In case you're wondering what Erin and I do for a living, it's not podcasting. I work in marketing, Erin's a nurse, and this is just a side project that we love. We really do enjoy doing this, and we've enjoyed being part of the community and building up a group of listeners. You guys probably don't even realize how much you help us out uh, just by supporting us. If you were looking to do a little bit extra, uh, we would love to have your ratings on Apple or whichever podcasting service that you use. Or if you hear us talk about a product on the podcast, we do include those links to Amazon in our show notes on our website. Your purchase after you click on the link just gives us a tiny little kickback. Nothing much, but it helps us pay our bills. And if you are thinking, well, this isn't enough, we want to do a little bit more on our website at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. We have a donation page. Any proceeds we receive, we give 10% to our favorite brain injury nonprofit of the moment. So if you are looking to do a little bit more, that would be a great way to support us. Again, we appreciate you guys oh so much. Thanks so much for your time and your ongoing support. We love our listeners and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean. 